listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Lindsay, welcome to Miscarriage Stories. I am sadly so excited that you're here because I've gotten to meet you um, personally, virtually, but I'm excited for you to share your story with the listeners in the miscarriage community. So I invite you to get started with your story wherever it begins. Thanks, Arden. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so to kind of set the stage, at uh, the time we started trying to conceive um, was last year, and my husband and I were were pretty young. We're twenty, or we were twenty six, turning twenty seven, and we'd been together for ten years at this point since high school, and married for two. Um, and I had all, you know, I was like ready to have kids right away, and so it was kind of like a waiting game for him to be ready. So he was finally ready, gave us the green light, and. Um, I was so excited to start trying and luckily we got pregnant our very first try. Um, so in April of last year, um, after a day or two of being past due for my period, I finally got a positive test and we were of course over the moon. So excited, um, called my OB immediately and they scheduled us for the eight week ultrasound, which was obviously like a month out. Um, but we were just so excited. I like couldn't keep it a secret or wait. So we told our close friends and family who are back home in Michigan, but we live out in California now. So we had to, we told everyone over FaceTime. Um, and we knew it was early. And I think I was filled with like so much excitement that um, I knew something could go wrong, but I wasn't really thinking of like what exactly could go wrong. And so we were saying to ourselves, like, I know it's early, but we don't want to spend our you know, whole first trimester being anxious and worried, um, and keeping it a secret. So, you know, if something happens, God forbid, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So fast forward through the next few weeks, I was pretty sick, lots of nausea and vomiting, um, feeling like crap. Uh, we headed into our eight week appointment and seemingly everything went great. Um, the doctor said the baby looked good. They did an ultrasound and we got to hear the heartbeat. Um, but they told us the baby was measuring a week small, which in hindsight, I feel like should have been more of a concern, but they didn't, they didn't seem concerned or mention that it might be indicative of a problem. And so we were just kind of like, okay, it just might be a little bit off on the timing, um, and didn't really think twice about it. Um, but they wanted us to come back in two weeks for another ultrasound and my, um, NIPT blood test. And I was talking with a, my therapist recently actually about um, earthquake moments. And she asked me what my top three earthquake moments in life were, like those moments that shake you to your core, kind of change your beliefs and perceptions about the world and might even consider changing who you are as a person. And the first one I said was that day of my 10 week appointment, which oddly enough is almost a year ago today. Um, we went back for that 10 week appointment. So it's kind of crazy how the time has flown already. But um, we went in for our appointment after being away for the weekend. And 
I remember our baby popped up on the ultrasound screen and my heart just melted because he actually looked like a human at this point and not just a little blueberry anymore. (laughs) And we heard the heartbeat loud and clear. Uh, But then I, I looked at the ultrasound tech and noticed she wasn't smiling and she wasn't saying anything. And I looked over at my OB and she asked her to come and look closer and I'll never forget the words he said. He looked at the ultrasound screen and just went, oh, I don't like that. And I, (laughs) looking back on it, I can't even imagine why those words would come out of a professional's mouth because my heart just dropped into my gut, like instant tears, hyperventilating. We don't even know what's wrong, but you never want to hear that in an appointment. Um, And the doctor was pointing out um, increased fluid under our baby's skin and around the heart. Uh, so they told us or told me to get dressed and kind of collect ourselves and then had my husband and I come into his office to kind of talk about next steps. So I'm getting dressed, I'm crying. My husband's consoling me. We don't really know what's happening at this point. Um, we go into my OB's office and he explains how that sign usually means there's something genetically wrong with the baby. And I remember him mentioning Down syndrome at one point. And all I could think was like, oh, that's what you're worried about. I can handle that. That's fine. I hope that's all it is. Um, I'm an occupational therapist. So I work with a lot of kids who have uh, disabilities or uh, genetic anomalies. And in my my head at the time, it just seemed like that's the least of my concerns. I can do that. But he said there's a number of things that could be. So they took my blood for the NAPT still, and they sent us over to a fetal medicine specialist who could do, they said, a better ultrasound and squeeze us in that same day. So we drove right over there, called our moms in the car, telling them we don't know what's wrong, something's wrong. Um, We spent probably three hours or so waiting in like this small private room because I couldn't stop crying. So luckily the poor nurses weren't making me sit in the waiting room with all the pregnant women. Um, And we're just waiting in the small room. We finally talked to a genetic counselor and this part was like, is still like such a blur in my memory. I just remember feeling so numb. And so this can't be happening. This isn't real. Everything's going to be fine. This isn't going to happen to us. Um, I was just in such shock and disbelief and we went through like our family histories, which were insignificant. All my genetic testing we had done prior to conceiving had been fine. Um, And she explained how our baby most likely either had trisomy 18 or trisomy 13 based on the genetic markers they had observed. Um, So we went back to the room after talking with her, waited maybe another hour and finally got called in for our ultrasound. And he was able to do a 3D ultrasound, which surprised us, but it was really cool because I mean, the baby like looks so real and looks like an actual baby, um, which I'm really grateful for because it felt like we kind of got a moment of closeness with the baby that as opposed to just a regular 2D ultrasound. Um, but our baby was still measuring a week small. So I was 10 weeks at this point, but um, the baby was only measuring nine weeks. And the doctor was kind of explaining what he was seeing. There were a number of things that he was noticing that were wrong. I can't remember them all. I think there was something wrong with the umbilical cord and um, the the fluid under the baby's skin and around the baby's heart in different cavities. Um, 
he said that the genetic testing would come back as like a screening tool. So it would give it a percentage of like likelihood of having something, but to be sure we would have to do a CVS, which is the chorionic villi sampling where they take a biopsy of the placenta and genetically test the baby's DNA that way. So we opted to do that, but because my the baby and my placenta were both measuring a week small, he didn't feel comfortable doing it yet. So we had to go home and wait a week until we could come back and hopefully do it then once the baby was a little bigger. And he basically ended that appointment telling us that we'd have to be prepared coming back the next week based on the findings to make a decision if we were going to continue with the pregnancy or um, decide to terminate it. And that was just the longest week of our life. We were, my mom had come out here to help with everything, but we were just sitting at home. Um, our, our baby was still alive. He was still growing and we just knew something was wrong, but we didn't know what and knew this big kind of doom and gloom day was coming where we were going to find out. And it was just, um, it was a really long week and it was really tough. So fast forward to the next week we went in for the CVS, which I was told wouldn't be painful, but it was like one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever had done. I think a lot of that may have been the anxiety and just knowing something was wrong. I think a lot of the emotions with it made it more uncomfortable than it could have been, but that experience in itself was terrible. Um, and then they did another ultrasound and it was pretty sad because even on that ultrasound, our baby's heartbeat was still there. He was still growing, but you could tell that um, the fluid was building. He didn't look quite right. The pressure um, on his organs, like you could just tell everything was changing. And he said that if we, even if we chose not to terminate the pregnancy, I'd probably miscarry in the next couple of weeks. So it felt like this thing was coming, whether we wanted it or not. Um, and so they basically had us wait for the results and told us to make our decision. And this time was so, I don't know if ironic's the right word, but it was, it was right when Roe v. Wade was kind of in its chaos and getting overturned. And I remember my doctor making a comment, like, we're so fortunate to be here in California where we still have access to this, um, where I can have a choice. And I was so thankful th for that, but you know, I was seeing a lot of friends and people I'd gone to college with on social media who had very strong views one way or the other, both conservative and liberal friends. Um, and it just, it felt really overwhelming to see some of the more conservative people and their thoughts. And then you're thinking of what you're trying to do and you're trying to make the right decision. You know, what would our families think? What's our, we come from very Catholic families. Um, I didn't want to hurt our baby and take away his life and take away his chance. But at the same time, it was going to happen whether we did it or not. Um, and it was tough. You know, we loved him so much and wanted him so badly. And we had to make this decision um, whether we wanted to or not. So we got the call the next day um, that our baby had trisomy 18. And the genetic counselor described what that meant. She said it was a less than 1% chance of it happening in the first place. And it would be the same likelihood again in future pregnancies. Um, she said extremely few babies make it to term. 
I believe she said also less than 1%, but I can't remember the exact statistics. And then of those babies, only like one to 3% make it through their first year of life. And that's with significant health defects. So the, it was a hard choice to make, but the choice was pretty clear. Um, we were like, what kind of possible life was that leaving our baby? We knew based on what the doctors told us that he didn't have much of a chance to make it another few weeks anyways. And all I could think was like, can he feel pain right now? Can he feel pain in my belly? Um, is the fluid like hurting him or stressing his heart? Even if he did come into the world, just so we can selfishly hold him, what are we setting him up for? It just felt like a very poor quality of life. And honestly, I didn't want to prolong the pain for myself anymore either. So we made the really tough decision um, to terminate the pregnancy for medical reasons. And I think people look at abortion in a very one-minded way. And, but that's what it was. It was an abortion. It's the same word, even though we don't like to say it because it sounds like it sounds aggressive and malicious, but we, um, yeah, that's what we ended up having to do. Um, the one silver lining in doing the genetic testing though, was that we got to find out he was a boy. So we were, we were really happy that we knew the, the sex of the baby. And I think that gave us a little more connection as well with him. Um, so my DNC was scheduled for, I think the following week. So at this point I was about 12 and a half weeks and my husband couldn't come into the surgery center with me because of COVID rules still, which I don't know how they were even still in place. It was just, was just mind boggling to me. Um, so I had to do it all alone, which was really hard. And once I woke up from the procedure, I remember just instantly feeling that I wasn't pregnant anymore all my symptoms were gone. I didn't have heartburn. I was having the nausea was gone. Um, I felt empty. It was, it was really sad, but it also was like a big relief because I felt like my body wasn't fighting anymore and our baby wasn't fighting anymore. And that gave us a little bit of peace. Um, so we grieved from that. Um, but I still felt just like this urge of like, all I could think about was trying again. And it felt like the only thing that was going to fill the void of losing our baby was having another one. And so I really just wanted to try again as soon as we can. And our doctor cleared us to try again after my next cycle post-surgery. So we did, and we got pregnant right away again. Um, and we're like, okay, this one has to be okay. Something insane just happened. Nothing's going to happen again. We got that out of the way. Um, so I call my OB, schedule my eight-week appointment. And then two weeks later, the day I would have been six weeks pregnant, went to the bathroom in the morning, wiped, and there was spotting. And I hadn't had that before, but of course I knew it wasn't a good sign. And I'm just instantly panicking. I'm Googling sending my mom pictures, calling my mom. I called the OB. Um, they had me come in that same day for an ultrasound to check and see what was going on. And we're in there for the ultrasound. And the tech is just like, yeah, I'm not seeing anything in here. And again, my heart just sinks, instant crying. How can this be happening again? Um, 
And so our doctor told us we had a chemical pregnancy, which he explained as a very early miscarriage, but also said they don't consider it a true miscarriage, which we know is like a whole thing because we were pregnant and had all the excitement and thoughts and hopes that come with that, even if it was just for a couple of weeks. Um, and so, yeah, so that, um, that chemical pregnancy, the bleeding that followed all happened on its own. Um, and we grieved that loss and same thing again. All I could think was, okay, two got it out of the way. That was a fluke. Let's, let's try it again. They keep saying it's random. There's no reason it's happening. Third time's the charm. So next cycle, we get the all clear to try again, boom, pregnant. So it's my third pregnancy in eight months and we switched OBs to a female and someone with who I thought would have like a little bit better bedside manner. <laughs> and, um, I loved her. She herself has two living children. And I believe she said she had two miscarriages. So I felt like she could really empathize and understood kind of all the anxieties that come with it. And, um, she was just a lot easier to talk to. So, um, she had us come in pretty soon at, uh, five weeks, five days. She said, we, um, we can at least make sure that, you know, embryos there, it's where it should be. And we might be able to see the flicker of the heartbeat. Um, so we went in and we did, we saw the flicker of the heartbeat baby was measuring exactly on track. Like to the time I ovulated, we had sex, it all lined up. I was like, this is it. It's meant to be. And everything's perfect. Um, we made an appointment to come back in, um, three weeks. So at an eight week appointment, but she said, if I wanted to come in at seven, just for peace of mind, I could. And then I got so sick that last pregnancy, I was having hyperemesis. I was having to go to the urgent care to get fluids. My husband was traveling for work at the time. And I had to have my mom fly out again to help take care of me. I had to stop working. It was, it was really terrible. Um, and so I didn't go in for the seven week appointment because my OB is like 45 minutes away. And I was like, there's no way I can drive myself when I can't stop throwing up. <laughs> so, um, so we didn't go check in, but around seven and a half weeks, I kind of started feeling better, not amazing, but a lot better than I had been the last few weeks. And when we were driving up to our eight week appointment, I just had like this bad feeling in my stomach and. I was, I was kind of expecting bad news. We hadn't really had an experience otherwise. So part of me was telling me it was just my anxiety, but also I just had this terrible gut feeling and we go in for our ultrasound and she's, she says, she's just not seeing what she wants to be seeing right now. And somewhere around seven weeks, um, our baby had stopped growing and there was no heartbeat anymore. So we had a missed miscarriage. And at this point, I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> like what else can happen to us? We had to terminate a pregnancy. We had a chemical pregnancy, a missed miscarriage. It's like, have we checked all the boxes yet? Is something just going to work now? It was like, it was just, it was really mind boggling. And the, this miscarriage was one of the tougher ones physically, um, because my OB didn't want to jump in to do a DNC because of the risks that come with surgery. So she encouraged us to do mesoprostol, which is what most people know as the abortion pill. And, um, so I was like, okay, I, I would have rather just done the surgery, like 
just be knocked out and get it over with. But I was like, yeah, I understand the health risks. So we'll do it this way. Um, so took some pills at the office and then took some more at home. And that was like the worst cramping, heavy bleeding, passing like enormous clots. I like that experience was so traumatizing. I, if God forbid, I ever have to go through it again, I'll say DNC all the way, like, yes, knock me out and take care of it. Because like, for the people who have to go through the miscarriage, either they naturally miscarry at home or they do have to use the misoprostol. Like, oh my gosh, it's just terrible. Um, every pain, every feeling felt like my body was just screaming at me that you don't have your baby anymore. Your baby's dead. Every clot I passed, I'm like, oh my God, is that, is that one the baby? Like just, it's just the worst thing you can imagine. Um, and when I went back for my follow-up appointment, we found out that not all the tissue had passed. And I was like, how? Because I felt like all my internal organs had <laughs> come out of my body. I was just amazed that there was still somehow tissue in there. And she advised to do a second round of the misoprostol and again, not risk the DNC because it was just like a little bit of tissue. And so I'm like, okay, well, it shouldn't be as bad, right? And she said, no. So I was like, okay. So we did it a second time. And it wasn't as bad, but still not pleasant and uncomfortable and clots and for sure thought that had got it all. Go back for your follow-up. No, there's somehow still tissue in my uterus. And then we finally opt for the DNC. And that was scheduled. That was at the end of January this year. So we found out we lost our baby December 16th and my miscarriage and bleeding all lasted for almost two months into February. So it was just like all through the holidays, it was a really long miscarriage. It felt like, and when it just doesn't end, it like makes it so hard to move on and, and heal from that. And so we finally did. And we we're just like, so where do we go from here? Um, my OB said we could either try again naturally or go the IVF route all the blood work and testing that her and my previous OB had done on me, they couldn't find any reason for our difficulty um, with either conceiving a healthy baby or carrying it. And I really couldn't fathom the idea of trying naturally again. So we decided to go to an IVF clinic for a consult. And the doctor was amazing and explained that he kind of phrased it to me like, you're by no means infertile. You actually might get pregnant too easily and kind of chalked it up to bad luck with unhealthy eggs. So he described it as being random, um, which eggs ovulate each month. And we all have some eggs that are healthy and some aren't. And where most people, it takes them a couple months to get pregnant because maybe the eggs aren't healthy or something's off with the embryo or whatever. My body's just, there's like no checks and balances. So I'm like getting pregnant every time but we're getting pregnant with um, babies that aren't healthy. And so it's leading to loss and miscarriage. Um, so I know a lot of people, one thing a lot of people told me is like, well, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. And I'm like, well, yeah, but not a, like in, in my shoes, I'd rather be not getting pregnant and, and then someday have a healthy baby than be the person who has to deal with loss after loss after loss. Um, but I think loss is kind of one of those things where, you look at other people's situations and think it would be better, but it all just sucks regardless of how you're going through it. Um, 
So he seemed confident though, that if we got a healthy embryo and it implanted that I shouldn't have any issue carrying a healthy baby to term. So our plan was to do IVF with the genetic testing. So we would know that our embryos are most likely genetically healthy. So we started IVF in March, I think, and we had a really successful retrieval. We got um, 19 eggs, which resulted in 12 blastocysts, um, six on day five and six on day six. And then we sent all 12 for genetic testing um, because our main concern was the health of the embryo. And with our first baby's genetic condition, um, we'd already had one experience with that. So we wanted to make sure that we were transferring a healthy embryo. And then coincidentally on my birthday in April, our doctor called us while we were at dinner and told us the results that we had 11 healthy embryos. So 11 of the 12 came back genetically normal, which he said was like unheard of. And we were just crying, like so excited, like so grateful and so happy that for once something seemed to go right. And we got a phone call with good news. And um, I put in a lot of work probably since like October to um, do things to help my egg health and egg quality, just like environmental stuff at home and going to acupuncture. And um, so whether that stuff made a difference or not, I'm not sure, but we got really great results. So we were super thrilled with that. Um, and then, you know, our doctor gave us the option to choose boy or girl. And we really just wanted, like, we're like, you know, if there's one that looks the healthiest, like we just want our best shot. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I want to do this once and I want to never have to do it again. And so we let him pick and actually kind of a funny story. We wrote, cause each of the embryos have numbers. So that's how they like keep track of them. And we wrote down all of our like four AA embryos. So the ones that had the quote best grading on little pieces of paper and we threw them into a hat. And then I had my husband pick one and we were going to say, that's how we picked the embryo. But, um, but then I felt stupid. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's a bad way to do it. So, so my husband had picked number eight and then I was like, no, I was like, I'm too embarrassed to tell them that's how we decided. So I was like, we'll just tell them to pick the best one. And the nurse had brought in the forms for me to sign. And it was embryo number eight that my doctor had picked. And so part of me was like, oh my God, like, please let that be a sign. Like, <laughs> I hope this is just a sign that something's going to work right. And that this one was meant to be. And so we had the transfer on May 11th and I'm currently eight weeks pregnant, which is crazy to say. And I don't know when it's going to start feeling safe because it doesn't yet. And I wasn't even saying I was pregnant until maybe like two weeks ago. It was kind of like, oh, I got a positive pregnancy test, but I wasn't really saying I was pregnant. And it's nice being followed so closely by the IVF clinic. We get ultrasounds every week, but every ultrasound is just terrifying every time I go. And I'm so scared that nothing's going to pop up on the screen, or I'm scared to hear those words from the nurse that something's not right. It's my husband and I just hold our breath until I think at this point we know what we're looking for, which is nice, <laughs> but we just kind of hold our breath until we get good news for that day. And we just kind of take the little wins as we get them. But, um, I'm definitely filled with a lot of fear still that all the shots and hormones and everything through this process, isn't going to be worth it. It's not going to work out. I'm scared to lose a baby for the fourth time in a year. Um, it's there's, there's a lot of fear in pregnancy after loss. Um, 
but our most recent ultrasound went well. And so we're just kind of taking the small wins as they come and hoping that everything keeps moving in the right direction. Lindsay, normally whenever people talk, I'm always like, I'm over here, I'm taking notes. I'm like, okay, this is something I want to go back to. And the first thing I have to go back to is the doctor telling you at six weeks pregnant that you were having a chemical pregnancy. Mm. That is the most bizarre thing to me. And so I wanted to make sure that I say this on the podcast, that like, in any way, I do not condone the term chemical pregnancy and it's ridiculous at six weeks telling you that you're having a chemical pregnancy is bizarre. Um, you know, it's your story is one that I think it always, and I remember whenever I met with you, because normally like I can see red flags in people's stories of like, oh, you need this testing or ask your doctor these questions, but your losses were so different that it's like, what the hell are you supposed to do if you don't have a clear reason for why you're experiencing loss? Um, and then to go on and do IVF, thinking it's an egg or an embryo issue and to have 11 out of 12 be healthy, it's so confusing. I know. I, I, I tell myself those words all the time. I feel like a medical mystery sometimes. I worry yet. All I've heard through this whole thing is you're young, you're healthy, Ugh. just keep trying, it should work. And I'm like, I know, but it's not. We keep mm. having these crazy things happen. And and then, yeah, when we got the 11 to 12, I looked at my husband and I was like, well, should we have just tried again? <laughs> Would it have been? Right. But then it was funny or not funny, but it was really interesting because we got the actual genetic report from the lab and the one embryo that was not healthy had um, I forget the word for it, but it was an extra of every chromosome. And it was, it was interesting to see on paper, like yeah, the, the condition or what was wrong. And all I could think of was, but it could have been that one. And if we had a fourth loss, I mean, even God forbid, if something happens to this, like, I don't know where it puts us, but it's yeah. So I don't know. It's just been a crazy process with no real answers. And cause even for egg quality, they assume cause you're young, it's, it's good but something was going wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's another thing is the whole young thing. I was 25 at the time of my infertility diagnosis. Um, and then 26 at the time of my first loss. Um, and I just kept hearing you're young. So just keep trying. And it's like, yes, I'm young, but I clearly something is not right. Um, you know, and I, I try to talk whenever I talk to people who are struggling with being 39 and being told that they are old. So their mm -hmm. eggs are no good. And I'm like, our eggs can be no good at any age. And then there are people at 44 who can get pregnant and have, you know, a healthy living child. Like, it's just a, it's a bunch of BS <laughs> in a lot yeah. of cases. And I hate that we're kind of brushed off that way. Um, but it sounds like your fertility specialist was probably the best doctor out of yeah. all of those doctors that you saw and has been really supportive. Yeah, he was really amazing and did a really great job of explaining things to us. And you know, I told him from the beginning, I don't want, um, I don't want you to be overly optimistic. I don't want you to sugarcoat things. I don't, I don't want to pretend this is like a sure thing if it's, if it's just not. And and it's not the the scary thing about IVF is it doesn't have a great success rate. He told us when we went to do the transfer, even with a healthy embryo, I think it's only like a seventy percent chance of implantation or. 70% chance of success, which is not a whole lot better than trying naturally. So it's really like 
it's really scary <laughs> and it's it's hard just never knowing what's happening. Yeah, I think that we just are not properly educated on how terrifying trying to grow a family is mm -hmm. and all of the things that can go wrong. And then once you experience loss, whether it's one loss or experiencing recurrent pregnancy loss, then you really start to think like, okay, well, is anything ever going to go right? Is this ever going to result in a baby that I can hold, um, you know, it's, it's hard to have thoughts of when this baby comes, you, you get stuck in the if, and I think it takes a, it takes a while to say when, um, I, I'm very vocal that I was like 36 weeks pregnant and I was just like not talking about birth. Cause I was like, I don't know if it's going to happen, which is silly because of course it's going to happen. I think what I wasn't verbalizing is not knowing if I was going to bring home a baby, but that felt too dark. <laughs> and, you know, people, they expect you to kind of be quote unquote over it. Um, mm -hmm. Especially once you're pregnant and things are going well, they're like, so you're healed. That's great. And you're just like terrified in a corner and missing the babies that you've lost. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of validation that no. that comes with pregnancy loss. And I think people do their best, but I think people just don't know how to react. And it's it's hard. It's a lot of try again, stay positive, at least you're young, at least, at least, at least. It's all these things and it's and it's grief. And you wouldn't say those things to people grieving anything else. And yeah, we have another shot at it, but it doesn't make it easier or you know, I, I feel terrible because I was telling one of my friends, like, I don't want to be pregnant. I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> I just want my baby. Like I, yeah. I, I've told my husband, if this, if this one didn't work or doesn't work, um, I would love to look into like surrogacy. Cause I don't know if I can put my body and mind through it a fifth time. Like, it's just, it's so hard and, and it's hard to explain to people. So it's tough. And it really breaks your confidence with your body. Whenever you go through multiple losses and each loss is different where you don't know what to expect from each pregnancy that you have, it makes you really like you lose that trust. And it's just like any relationship where trust has been broken. You have to really work at getting it back, which is really hard. Yeah, um, it's really tough not knowing what's going on in your own body. It's terrible. It's so cruel. Um one thing that you mentioned with your first pregnancy and having to have a termination, you mentioned your family background of um, being Catholic. How did they react to what you went through and were they supportive? Yeah, you know what? They, I won't say surprisingly because I would never imagine them not being supportive of us, but um, it was never really questioned. It was never that's questioned or even really, I mean, it also, it wasn't really talked about a ton, but even like my grandparents who are, who are very Catholic, like part of me was nervous of what they would think. And, um, even their support was, was just the best I could ask for. And, um, I mean, no one wants to see me suffer and no one wants the baby to be suffering. And I think, I think once it's, once it happens to you and you're put in a position for it, I think your outlook on things can change. And I think that may have been the case with some people. Um, I don't know for a fact, but I imagine that people may have had beliefs beforehand about mm -hmm. abortion or termination. And then maybe after it happens close to home, they feel differently. Um, 
but it was something I didn't want to say for a while. And, and it took me, it took me a while to even say that, like, we didn't miscarry our first baby. We, we did terminate that pregnancy and that's super tough and super hard to say. And I miss that baby every day. We have pictures of him still up and a whole little shrine to him. And, um, but that's what happened. And there's, there, it can feel like there's a lot of shame in it, but there's not shame in it. So, yeah. Do you associate more with saying that you've had three losses? Do do you feel like that (laughs) means that you don't have to say I've had one termination and two miscarriages or one termination, a chemical pregnancy and a miscarriage, (laughs) you know, like, is there verbiage that makes you feel safe and honoring all of them as you're losing the same thing, you know? Yeah, I do usually phrase it like that. Like we've had three losses or we've lost three babies. Um, Yeah. It is weird. And I think we talked about this in one of the support groups, like what the heck label do I fit in? I'm like, I don't even know. Cause I'm like, first I was in this infertility group and then I'm like, wait, I'm not infertile. I'm like, I'm getting pregnant all the time. So then I felt really out of place there. And then even in like recurrent pregnancy loss, I'm like, well, I terminated one and then we had a chemical and then now I had a miscarriage. And it's like, it's just like, it's hard to feel like there's a spot for you when you feel like you're in a weird, a weird spot. (laughs) And so, yeah, I do usually say we've had three losses. Um, I am pretty open about our first baby. If, if people ask about the story, I'm more than happy. I love sharing about him. Um, and telling, and telling our story. Um, I'm so grateful for the medical care we had access to, because I can't imagine how it could have gone otherwise. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I usually say we've had three losses. Yeah. It's really great with your first pregnancy that you got to have that ultrasound where you got to see, because even though they're like so different looking at like 11 (laughs) weeks in 3d you know getting to have that moment where you really got to get a good look at him that's so special yeah at first it startled me at first because it's a little alarming the fetal medicine doctor didn't tell me he was that's what was going to pop up on the screen (laughs) so it's like this giant flat screen tv in front of my husband and I was like oh my god and I was crying and but it was it was also so special. And yeah, the first, the first time we did it, he just looked like a little gummy bear and was mm. just like, so cute. And that's like the picture we have on our little like letter board thing for him. Um, but like I said, the next week when we went in, like when you compare the 3d pictures side by side, you can tell that things aren't developing the right way. And, and that's a little more hard and sad to see, but the, yeah. but the first one was cute and we hold on to that one. Yeah. Oh, Lindsay, I'm so glad that you came on to share your story. I think it, like you said, it covers so many topics and so many grounds. Um, I think it's, it's really great to hear different perspectives and different stories. And I like how you mentioned while you talked about your termination, how you are somebody who is very accepting of genetic abnormalities. And that would have not been, you know, a concern if it wasn't such a fatal diagnosis and all of these horrible things happening inside your body. And I think you're right that some people don't until they hear a story that puts it into maybe like a an easier to understand format. Sometimes we have these, um, I don't even know the right word. We just, we have these views on what mm-hmm. abortions look like. And it doesn't always look like somebody choosing this because it, it doesn't really sound like it was a choice. It was a really difficult position to be put in. Um, but I'm so excited that you are pregnant. 
with your IVF baby. <laughs> I'm so hopeful. And, you know, whenever I talk to people, I'm sure that I've mentioned this um, after you shared in the group, but um, I always tell people to focus on what's different. And a big thing that's different for you is that this was an IVF baby. They were tested. They have all of the medical care before they even, you know, had arms and legs and, you know, you're in such great hands. So there's every reason to think that you're going to end this journey with a baby in your arms. And we're so hopeful. Um, I would love for you to uh, provide an update at, you know, especially yes. whenever you're at the end of your pregnancy after loss journey. Um, I can add on to this episode and yeah, let I'd everybody know how you're doing. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for for having me and giving me a platform to share my story as well. I I find it really therapeutic and I hope that it's able to help others as well. 